we read the, the chapter uh, from Peter uh, about the call being holy. Um, you know, and, uh, in, and again in Corinthians, you, 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 know, you would say that's verse 12 when it talked about uh, don't deceive yourself. You, you know, if you think you, you're okay, uh, watch out. Okay? So we need to always be vigilant. Um, and by the way, in that same, uh, in verse 15, it talks about it's talking to wise men. It wasn't talking to sinners. It was talking to wise men, to believers. Okay? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of the many godly men, and the Bible calls them wise men here. The many, many godly men in our times, as well as in the history, in the biblical uh, men that we love and we heard about, and we'll mention some of them, the way they fell. And the, the results were disastrous. And they brought shame to the name of God. It's a critical thing that we, uh, this holiness issue. Uh, believers, they should be ever vigilant to protect themselves and their testimony. We live, we do live in a very wicked uh, generation that we have. We're right in the middle of it. And sometimes we become insensitive, I mean, uh, become used to it. You know, biblical values in our country has been put aside. If you don't know that, you're living in a different universe. Okay? These biblical values that the country was based on is gone. We can see it in the laws, we can see it in the Congress, even those who represent us sometimes, some of the most ungodly men are there. It's, it's sad to say, but that's a fact. Churches, the problem is, the churches are being affected by the society instead of affecting the society. Okay? You know, even those corrupt lifestyles that we probably will mention, they're creeping in the churches. It's a sad thing to say, but that's a fact. This message that I'm going to give is not directed to the unbeliever. It's directed to the believer himself, those who claim that Christ as a savior. This has nothing to do with being saved or getting saved. This is not a salvation message. It is a call, though, to action for all true believers who want to honor God and protect their testimony. You know, we, we know we're not saved by works. We know that. But we're saved for good works. That Ephesians, what, what, remember what Ephesians said? You know, what I'm talking about is working out our salvation. Um, and that's, you know, people sometimes misunderstand that verse about working the, our salvation. They think it's to get saved through works. No, it's working what we believe. Make it come out to the, out, to the outside and let people see our testimony. So, but if you're not saved here this morning, please don't tune me out. Okay? Just listen what God is expecting from his own people. Don't tune me out because I'm going to come back to you later on. Let me be clear here. I'm not talking about acting holy or pious and, you know, or walking with long robes, fluffy robes, or being called your holiness, okay, or, or these kind of things. No, I'm not talking about that. 
I'm not talking about rolling in the aisles. Some, there are some churches called holiness churches, and they roll in the aisles, jump, jump up. I'm not talking about that. It has nothing to do with holiness. Okay? Or maybe even separating ourselves, going, becoming monks, going up into some monastery somewhere. That's not holiness. That's not what God's talking about, holiness. Folks, this is real Christian life, day-to-day living that we do. And God expects us, expects from us for his glory and our own good. Not just to glorify God, but for our own daily good. That's what he's talking about here. And when I mention holiness, I'm sure most of you, a lot of you, will think I'm just talking about not committing adultery or the sin of adultery or that type of thing. Holiness is a lot more than that. Okay? Um, you know, it's... Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a complete holiness. Uh, it's body, it's about body, about soul, and about spirit. It's not just about the body, although we'll talk about the body issues and the sin of the body that manifests itself, but I'm going to talk also about the spiritual aspect of it as well as the uh, soul effect, soul holiness. The body is the physical side, of course, and it deals with the sin and adultery and the likes. And we'll talk about that. The soul is what we allow to come into into our own minds and influence us. And and this kind of entering comes from media, and then and many other things that we get encounter with, and then from our own corrupt minds. Okay. The spirit, it's dealing with corrupting the word of God and allowing ourselves to accept what is called modern beliefs, okay? Uh, and why? For the sake of convenience and to be accepted and to be to fit in in the uh, Christian society that we have. Uh, one quick story, it's a, how things change. My mother, uh, her neighbor, um, I met her and I heard her say, tell this story. This, uh, this lady uh, goes to a congregational church a very well-established well congregational church in the area. Uh, and by the way, like I said, she told me that because I asked her. She, I, they don't meet Sunday mor- mornings anymore. Only meet uh, Wednesday evenings. Do you know why? It all started that the pastor of the church uh, had a house on, on the Cape and wanted, it started with the summertime, he wanted his uh, weekends to be free. So he convinced them that the Sabbath is any day, which is it's true that we need to worship God any day. Okay? And as a result, they stop the church service in the morning and they meet only Wednesday night. And by the way, the people see nothing wrong with that. Okay? Uh, we should worship God every day, but also we do not just for our convenience change things. And what happened now, that's that pastor left the church, and they still meet on Wednesday nights, and everybody's fine with that. Okay? You know, if the spirit is compromised, everything else will be open to be corrupted. The moment our doctrines go, start shifting away from the Bible, watch out. It's, a very, it's very dangerous. And uh, that's why the Religious USA is where it is now. I call it the Religious USA because that's where the, you know, the missions 
was flourishing because of this country. And that's how we got saved in Lebanon. My dad was saved through missionaries, through Baptist missionaries in, in Lebanon. And that's how, what affected our lives, okay? So, uh, and this country had abandoned the Lord. It's being reflected in the laws that we have. So I'm gonna talk, the first one is about the body or the holiness of the body, the purity, purity of the body. It's amazing how our society in general now has been corrupted. And most people think this is good or normal now, okay? Uh, the good became bad, you've heard this terminology, and the bad became good. You know, prayer was abandoned. It was banned, actually, not abandoned, just banned from our schools, from our public schools. Even pub public school sporting events, I remember when we were in Texas, when they had football, my, my son used to play football, they would start with a, a prayer. That's banned right now. Or even uh, graduation ceremonies. You cannot open with a prayer anymore. You can't mention the name of God anymore. There's a, a very uh, active effort to remove the name of God or any mention of Jesus from all our public places. Even you heard down here in Massachusetts, there are high school just recently, right? They had a plaque. And about, I think it was either a prayer or something. And because of one person, they have removed it. One teenager called herself atheist. And that plaque has been there for many, many years. We have those inscriptions in, in the Congress on, on the uh, Supreme Court, right? I hope they don't go wipe those out eventually. Um, you know, this is done, actually, under the guise of not offending anybody. Or even, uh, you know, misrepresentation of the separation of church and state. They use those laws to get their things in. The sad part, though, that's not the sad part yet. This is expected. That's how the world's going to go. The sad part is the believers. Are the believers who are starting to understand it accept it, okay? And eventually, they start believing it. You know, it starts with tolerance and then ends up with total corruption. How did we reach to this point? It starts with us, not the world, it's us. It starts with the believer allowing sin to creep into their lives. And sometime, sin is not only tolerated, but it becomes the norm to the believer. And it changes from sin to conviction. You've heard of convictions. There's absolutely it's true things that are convictions. But we gotta watch out not to make our sin lifestyle a conviction, okay? Which gives us the license to do whatever we want to do. You know, it, we reach the point that we do not see anything is wrong with it. And we tolerate and we go with it. You know, big things do not start with a sudden, it doesn't happen suddenly. It's not going to be a big bang theory, as they call it. No. It starts creeping in little by little, by us allowing it. Changes start happening in our lives little by little. And eventually, we reach total corruption. It's alarming how in churches, we see that in, in the, between the believers, the um, Percentage of divorce 
it's almost the same number, percentage, as the world is. You would expect there's a, a difference. Why is that? It's also alarming to see how many church leaders, I'm talking about believers, true believers. I'm not talking about who claim to be Christians. I'm talking about true believers. How many of them fall into sin, into sexual sin, and the results are disastrous. My experience is that when the leadership is affected, the church is devastated. I've seen it firsthand. We lived in Texas for a while. And we went to a very conservative church, a Baptist church, very good church. The pastor was an excellent preacher. He, you know, he uh, divided the word perfectly. Okay? He fell into sin. And right after that, the church, half of the church left. Why? They were following a man. The church reached a point of, when he was there, 800 people. Two months after he left, because he had been kicked out, it became about less than 400 people, a matter of less than two months. Our actions will affect the people around us. Don't think it's, it's only us, okay? Uh, and you know, when a believer or a, a very well-known preacher falls, what happens? The secular, secular media eats it up. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because they're living worse lives than anybody else. But if a believer falls, oh boy, it's all over the media. Why? Because that's how they can ease their conscience. You know, I can, you know if they can do it, let me you know, destroy their reputations, and they do. And you know what happens? They go their merry way. But you know what? It affects every one of us. Don't, don't kid yourself. When this happens, the testimony of the church is tarnished, and in turn, the name of Christ is brought through the mud. The effects are very, very severe, and we've got to watch out for how we live. The sexual sin has destroyed the reputation of ministry of many good people. Believe me, I know some of those guys. Very good people and it destroyed their ministry. Once that, once that happens, almost always there's no recovery. They lose their ministry, they never get back into the ministry, they can't. People will just don't listen to them anymore. Uh, their families are usually destroyed, and the church is tarnished and divided. That's the result of some of the actions that we do and we take if we're not careful. You know, we, we know about King David. King David was a man according to God's heart. That's what God said about him. He fell. And the, king was, the kingdom was divided. Why, why did he fall? Why, what happened to him? The nation was at war, right? What was he doing? He was idle. He was walking around enjoying himself on, the roof, on his own roof. He wasn't what he was supposed to do. Uh, and he wasn't supposed to be in the war with his generals. He was enjoying himself. Well, he sinned. And that sin destroyed his family, destroyed his kingdom, and not only that, it led to murder. He became a murderer, ordered the murder of the husband of the woman. 
You know, in uh, Corinthians 3.17, 1 Corinthians 3.17, said, if any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Our bodies are the temple of God. We're saved and sanctified to be holy and peculiar people. Isn't that what the Bible said? We are different. That's what we're saved for. We are not to dishonor God in the way we behave ourselves. Believers, listen to me. Every action we do has consequences, good or bad. We're not isolated from, from everybody else. We're responsible. Uh, if you go to Proverbs 6, 27 to 29, I know Pastor Dan is preaching on Proverbs on Sunday nights, and I encourage you to come to those Sunday nights. The, this, tonight's going to be about the movie, but next Sunday night, please come and see what, you know, uh, about Proverbs. 6, 27 to 29. Verse 27 said, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not burned? Or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is the one who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not go unpunished. Now, this is a very good illustration that Solomon uses. If you reach out to the fire, some coals, cut them in your hand, put them in your lap, what's going to happen? You're going to burn yourself. I, I just burned, by the way, my hand by, uh, by the fire poke this week, early this week, by mistake. It hurts. Okay? And I'm still suffering the consequence until now. Okay? It's exactly the same way, he's saying. Okay? If we commit adultery or at least entertain that, that's like taking fire. There is definite results that's going to happen with it. Okay? If we allow morality to creep into our lives, it will bring shame to the name of Christ and destroy our lives. Guaranteed. In Numbers 32:23, it said, Be sure your sin will find you out. People think they can get away with it. Eventually, it will catch up with you. Don't kid yourself. Believers sometimes do things and think, ah, no one knows, I'm away, I can't do things. It will catch up. The Lord is not going to let it pass. Okay? So they eventually will be exposed and they will regret it and wish they never get involved in it. So from the beginning, don't start. That's the, the advice. Don't start right from the beginning. 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 6, verses 8 to 19. We have very good instructions there. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 19. I think I'm going to make the difference for Evan last week. So, yeah. It says, verse 18, flee or morality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sin against his own body. Verse 19 said, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You know, the moment you are saved 
by Christ, you don't belong to yourself anymore. You're the property of God. Your body is the temple of God. And you have no right to destroy the temple of God. Let me repeat it. The moment you're saved, you don't belong to yourself. By the way, that reminds me of uh, the abortion issue. What's the biggest thing that the woman uh, movement talks about with you know, the excuse for abortion? The woman has the right on her own body, right? And she, as a result, she can kill a person in her own body and get away with it because the law protects her. Let me tell you, that's man's law. It's not God's law. Okay? So, um, here the Bible is very clear. Our body belongs to God, and we have no right to sin or do whatever we wish with it. So, uh, the second issue of the holiness, which is related also to the body, is the spirit, the, the soul, the purity of the soul. Our soul is affected by what we allow ourselves to let enter our minds through the media influence and our own mind imagination. These evil imaginations that we develop in our own minds, where do they come from? Either from the TV or the movies we watch or the internet that we access. That's a huge problem in our society. And it's affecting what? The believers. And by the way, bad friendships will affect you. Okay? Uh, it really amazes me how, this is one thing, if you go back to the creation, Adam and Eve, think about that. They were living in the perfect environment, Adam and Eve. Right? Um, they fell into sin and disobedient by simply what? By simply what did they do? Allow Satan to communicate with them. And they, he showed them what? a nice fruit, and they sinned. I tell you, uh, if somebody wants to learn to be a good salesman, this is the best salesman that ever came into the universe. This salesman, Satan, you know, sold the, the lie as the truth. Uh, Adam, if you think about it, Adam and Eve walked with God on a daily basis. They talked with him. They've seen him. They have known nothing else but God. Right? He gave them free rule everywhere. And they still sinned. You're not better than them. If you're not careful, if you're not sold out to God, you're going to fall in, in, in certain things that you regret for the rest of your life. Be careful. It's a warning. It's a call to action. That's why I call it a call to action. And when we don't care about God, we will sin. Or when we don't care about our relationship with God, we sin. When we sin, that's what's happening. We're not caring about God. Although we call ourselves Christians and we want to please God, we go and do some things that are unbelievable sometimes. The fact is, we do not care about God. We want things not based on God's plan and timing, but based on our own will and our own desire. I'm going to talk about a couple things. Our thoughts. In, Ro in Romans 1.21, it says, For even though they knew God, the people, you know, I mean, they say, no, there is no God. They knew God. They know he's, he's there. They knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks. 
but they became futile in their speculations or their thoughts, and their foolish heart was darkened. When man did not honor God, even though he knew what God, that God who, uh, you know, what he wanted from them and demands from them, man rebelled against him. What did God do? What was the result? God gave them up. He gave them up. You know, their jokes became filthy. What do they call it on the TV? Entertainment. And not only they will give it out, they want you to laugh at it. They want you to be part of it. Company helps, you know. Um, and if people push you that way, you need to let them, you need to take your ground and say, I don't stand for that. Uh, that's not offensive. That's what you need to do. Tell them I don't stand for those kind of things and stand for God. You know, Paul, what does he do? What, he do, what does he say in 2 Corinthians in 10.5? He counters that. He said, we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? It means take all your thoughts captive, take control of it, and put it at the feet of Christ. Let him run it. Okay? And uh, then the second one is eyes. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14 it says, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, entice, enticing unstable souls. Remember the children's song, O Little Eyes, Be Careful What You See? Remember that? Remember those songs, nice songs, O Little Eyes? That's absolutely true. We teach it for our kids, but we forget it about ourselves. O Little Eyes, Be Careful What You See. And we open our eyes wide and we fall into sin. And uh, that, we call it innocent looks sometimes. That innocent look, it turns to what? Staring. And after a while, it turns to sin in our own minds. The Bible talks about that. Christ said, if you look at someone, you know, and lusts after them, what do you do? You've committed already the sin. You don't have to go through the act. You already committed the sin. And by the way, eventually leads, that kind of thoughts, leads to true physical activity that will destroy you. Pornography is a major problem for many Christians. Let me say it again. You know what pornography is. I'm not going to explain it. Pornography is a major problem for many Christians. It's addicting. If you are affected by it or dabbling with it, please Make a commitment to stop it right now. You might say, I tried. Believe me, Camille, I tried, but, uh, but cannot quit, and I'm stuck. Let me tell you, as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You are a believer, and the Holy Spirit is indwelling you, indwells you. He gives you the power to quit, to stop it. You cannot do it on your own, and I don't advise you to try it on your own, because you won't. But you have the Holy Spirit. Ask him, and he will do it. Okay? If you continue dabbling with this snake, eventually it will bite you, and it will ruin you. Will ruin you. It will ruin your reputation. Will you ruin, it actually will ruin your family, and it will tarnish the name of Christ that you claim. It's a dangerous thing we play with when we do that. 
So what do we do? Whatever evil material you have at home, in your possession, whatever it is, if it's books, burn them. Go home and burn them. Don't have to tell anybody. Just burn them. Remember what, uh, when the people got saved, and uh, actually, they were, and, uh, they were, what did they do in, uh, with Paul? And they were dabbling with witchcraft. They brought all their books in the public square and they burned them. Remember that? Burn them. If you have CDs or movies or whatever, I advise you, take a hammer. You, everyone has a hammer, right? Take a hammer, go in the back, outside, smash them. Don't keep them. Even if it costs you a lot of money, they're extremely dangerous. Listen to me. This is not something to play with. It's not a game. And please, don't pass them and say, ah, I paid a lot of money, pass them to somebody else. If you have poison in your house, okay, you don't give them, say, I don't want to drink poison, but I'll give them to my friend. Okay? That's what we're doing. Destroy them. Listen to me. Destroy them. Okay? Don't keep them in your house. You're keeping the devil in your house. Okay? First John chapter 3, 15 to 16, and I'm going to read it. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For, the, for all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The eyes, if not controlled and guarded, will eventually lead to sin. And then you will be regretting it. And again, it will lead to spiritual and physical adultery. The third thing is as equal and more important, I believe, is the spiritual holiness. This is extremely critical. The spiritual holiness is more critical than anything else because once that's corrupted, everything else becomes open. Okay? Doctrine is critical. Corrupting the word of God will open you up to major, major uh, you know, sins and major, major problems. Believe me. Uh, I know these are strong words, but let me tell you, this is a fact. It starts right here. Correct doctrine is critical to have a steady life, a steady lifestyle and a godly lifestyle. Look what Paul said in, to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15 and 18, 15 said, be diligent to preserve yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Accurately handling the word of God, or in King James says, or rightly dividing the word of God. Accurately handling that word of God. It's the holy word what we handle. Okay? In verse 18, he said men, and in verse 7 uh, he talks about uh, two men, uh, Hymenaeus and uh, Philetus, those two men. He names them. He said, men who have gone astray from the truth. What did they do? Saying that the resurrection has already taken place. And they upset the faith of some. What, what is that? It's a doctrine issue that Christ hasn't come yet. And the change that they said, oh no, he came. It scared a lot of believers. Said, I'm still here. If he came, how come I didn't go with him? It affected believers. Well, the moment we start changing doctrines, 
As sometimes we think, oh, it's a little thing. It is a big thing. It will affect the believers around you. He's telling Timothy that rightly dividing the word of God is critical to stay on the right track. The moment we start corrupting the word and introducing to it meanings that never were there, your belief system starts collapsing on itself and end up denying things like the deity of Christ. Oh, no, I won't deny the deity. Look what happened to the churches. Many of them, some of them call themselves good churches, and they're not. Some of them deny the deity of Christ. The virgin birth. The trinity. I'm going during the, this sixth week, and uh, Kurt actually covering for me today. It's about the trinity, teaching the little, little kids. And it's amazing what these kids know, I tell you. Okay? I'm impressed. And I'm impressed with you, family, parents, the way you teach your kids. Okay? But, you know, the trinity, people will start denying. Creation in the name of science, okay? And they start denying it, and so on. All of these kind of doctrines, and kids go to college, and they learn something new, and they want to fit in, and they compromise. And uh, how do you think these people, or the churches, or the universities end up where they are right now? We were talking about Harvard recently. Uh, somebody was telling me, you know, they, that was a godly place. Look who's the, who are the professors. Sorry, I'm not going to be a political, but I'm going to mention it. One of their professors is running for, con, uh, for Senate, right? Look what comes out from their mouth sometimes. I don't live in Massachusetts. I live in New Hampshire, but I'm, I'm free to say it. I'm up here, so I can say it. Yeah? It all starts by doubting the Word of God. And the moment you take a piece of the Word of God and say, is it real? How can that be? I will take this, but not the, forget about it. If you can't believe this, you're not going to believe all of this. How do you know which one is good, which is bad? Okay? It's the whole word of God or nothing. Uh, you know, the devil used this method of doubting with Eve. You know, in Genesis 3.1, what did he say? Indeed has God said. Did he say that? I can't believe it. Did he say that? You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. See what he said? He said, did he say you can't eat anything? Eve, being smart, she fell to it, into it. She started debating with him. So no, 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 no. No devil. And she started talking to him, right? That's number one problem. Yeah. She started talking to him. She said, no. God said, we can eat from all the trees except, and she's right so far, except this fruit, and she points to it, and she says, from that fruit, not, we cannot touch it or eat it. Wait a minute. What did she say? We cannot touch it or eat it. God didn't say that. God said, don't eat it. He didn't say anything about touching. And you might say, oh, this, is, this is nothing. The moment you start changing little things, to you it's maybe insignificant. The moment you start changing the word of God and accepting the unacceptable, you end up in the big stuff. And as a church, we have to watch out. And I praise the Lord for this church. Other churches, you know, I, I've been all over the place in this country. Okay? Other churches, for the convenience and accommodating other people, they start, ah, this is not important. And 
that's where they end up. Okay, it becomes a club. So, um, you know, things like the seven-day creation story, Jonah and the whale. What's Jonah and the whale? That Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights and spit him out. Remember that story? And guess what? Most people, you talk to them, say, ah, that can't happen. You know? Uh, the creation, seven-day creation. These are critical things. The universal flood. A lot of believers are going away from that. Do you know that? You know, if we believe in a creator who can create the universe that we know, let's say, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, assume they believe in the creation because the Bible said so, but we have a hard time believing in, the, in Jonah and the belly, in the belly of the whale for three days and nights or the way God created them in seven days, or, like I said there, the flood, okay? Yeah. How can we even justify it in our own minds, I believe that, but I don't believe this, as if God, we're limiting God, what he can do. He is God, and he's in control, not you. He's not waiting for us to agree with him. He's not going to say, let me see, uh, i got to change my doctrine here because this guy cannot understand it, I'll let it go. God's not waiting for our approval. We need his approval. Okay? They start, like I, again, I'm going to repeat it, they start in small steps, step by step. Remember that? Step by step. And where do they end up? In big trouble. We read in Romans what, uh, in 121 that man rejected God Boy, and I understand Pastor Henry. And as a result, God gave them up. Look what comes next. In chapter 1, just the verses after that, 24 to 27. 24. Listen to this. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Verse 25. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. What is that? Six, 26. For this reason, God gave them over to what? To degrading passion. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. 27. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Folks, homosexuality is sin. It was sin then. It's still sin today. It doesn't matter what the law, if they let them marry or whatever. It's corruption. What did he call it in verse 28? Depraved mind. You know the result? Why that, that they're like that now? And they're approving it in this country all over the place? Because God gave them up. How did they, why did he give them up? Because they started little by little, step by step. God gave them up and reached to this point. It's devastating and devastating this country. Okay? You know, Kirk Cameron, you've heard him this week or last week, was attacked from the media and his fellow actors. They made him, you know, to look like a fool or a bad man. Because why? He expressed his beliefs that homosexuality is unnatural. 
He didn't do anything different. The Bible calls it unnatural. Okay? And they were all over him. You know, the good is painted bad, and bad abnormal as good abnormal. This is the world that we currently live in. Don't be surprised. Okay? We need to protect ourselves, and I'm almost finishing here. Uh, and you say, well, Camille, I agree with you. Um, you convinced me, but uh, how do I protect myself? I'm going to give you just four things very quickly. Number one, which is very, very obvious, you know, you can all say it, actually. How? Through the word and prayer, continuous prayer. Said Psalms 119.11 said, Your word I have treasured or hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. By the way, reading of the word of God is the most unused or undone between believers today. It's a fact. People are not reading anymore. Second, I advise have close, a very close and accountable relationship with other believers, with other godly men. If you're a man, have a very close relationship with a godly man that you can depend on and go confess and talk to them, ask their support. If you're a woman, find a godly woman. And by the way, in this church you have them. Okay? Go, fi go find someone and believe me, they'll keep your secrets. If they don't, they're not godly. Okay? Choose them, you know, wisely. But you need a, a support, a mechanism. Find somebody that you can rely on and become very close, intimate with them. Do not intentionally expose yourself, third, to the world behavior and make it acceptable or tolerance even in the life of others. Don't, you, you can't go to a bar and think you're going to get a wise advice there. Okay? We're lying to ourselves when we do that. Or we go to a very corrupt movie and we think, oh, it's only a movie. It's the devil coming right into you. You're allowing them. You're exposing yourself. You don't expose yourself because you're going to be in deep trouble. And uh, by the way, he said, you know, 1 Corinthians 15.33 said, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. We all know that. We all agree with it. But we still have bad company and we go and do things with them. Okay? Uh, if you tell me who you hang around with, I tell you what kind of troubles you're going to get into. Easy. Okay? And we need to be very vigilant for ourselves and our church. Fourth, you got, and the final one, you got to make up your mind. Okay? And determine in your own heart that you will live a holy life. It's something you have to decide. And God will help you. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you. But you've got to make that decision. Okay? It's not like, ah, I'll try. Okay? What did Joshua do? What did he say? Remember that famous saying? He said, but for me, you do whatever you guys want to do. He tells, these are Jews who were still obeying, some of them obeying God. He said, do whatever you want to do. But for me and my family, what we're going to do? Serve the Lord. It's a decision-making, and you do that, and the Lord will help you. But again, you've got to make that decision. I cannot help you. you cannot, no one else can help you. You've got to start on your own. And destroy that environment. Like I told you, I meant it. If you have those kind of things, burn them 
and get the hammer out, a good hammer, okay? And if you're not saved, I'm not gonna let you go without hearing this. And if you desire that kind of a lifestyle that honors God, okay, you need to get saved first. You cannot do it on your own. If you're not saved, don't try. You're not, you know, you could be a nice man, they call you a nice woman, but that's not gonna help you. You need to get saved first. And once you get saved, the Holy Spirit will indwell you and he will give you the power. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We know we fall short so much, but we know you're with us. You know the Holy Spirit is within us. And we pray that you bless us and be with us. Give us the strength. Help us to make our minds to honor you and to honor your word and that we can be a testimony that brings glory to you. Father, as we go home, don't let us forget that. And as we come back to see that movie, that uh, we can learn from it, not just a movie, that we can try to apply some of that, especially the fathers of this church, Lord. We pray that you touch us and make us obey you. We pray this in Jesus' name.